The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. All right, we are here for another edition of whatever we want to call it. Chris Sims Unbutton, PFTPM. Who knows? Who cares? The bottom line is we get a chance to talk about some of the deals that are happening during this pre-free agency period. And let's remember this next year, Chris. Free agency doesn't start at 4 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday. It starts the moment they they drop the curtain on the negotiating period. That's when deals start getting done. Here we are with a ton of deals, and it's been an even crazier day today than it was yesterday. And tomorrow promises to be the craziest of all because that's when we're going to find out, supposedly, where Tom Brady is going to play in 2020. Yeah, well, you know, you've always said this, and, you know, as we know, you know, so many of these deals, wink, wink, handshake, happen weeks before we even get to the legal tampering period. And plus, I mean, we were at the NFL Combine, which might as well just be called the start of legal tampering. I mean, we you see so many agents, coaches, everybody meeting in a bar here and there. Who knows how many secret meetings are going on around that city during that time. That's where I think a lot of this stuff gets figured out. And you're right. It's Once that legal tampering window hits, it's, it's off and running. All right. Well, off and running this morning was the news from Tom Brady himself posted on social media that he will not be returning to the New England Patriots. As the day has unfolded, we haven't gotten a lot of clarity. Colin Coward, of all people, seems to be on the cutting edge of what Brady may be thinking. First, Coward said he has been informed Brady has made a decision, and Coward has subsequently said he thinks Brady is going to the Buccaneers. Now, if you pay any attention to Coward's Twitter feed over the years, he's in L.A., and he's got something up with the Chargers. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Chargers didn't leak something to him just out of spite if Brady's not going there, like who the hell cares? We don't have any obligation to keep this quiet. We can tell coward what's going on and he can upset Tom's little party as he tries to keep it a secret until tomorrow. So I'm inclined to believe what coward is saying on this, just connecting the dots from him back to the chargers and accepting the human nature reality that the chargers, if they're not getting Tom Brady are probably a little pissed off. Yeah. I mean, probably if they were in it, you know, legitimately the Tom Brady sweepstakes, like we thought, yeah, I'm sure they're not happy about that. Everything I'm hearing and listen, I saw the Colin Cowherd tweet, all that, but few people I've talked to around the NFL who were in the know, they seem to think it's Brady to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's what's going to happen. That's the news that's going to be released, released. The big thing, and Mike, I know I've said this to you, you know, when what I was told from the beginning with people who had knowledge of the situation was that Brady was reluctant to move out to the West Coast. The 49ers would be the only team I think he was really willing to do that for. You know, he has his other son with Bridget Moynihan in New York City. I think he's a great father. I think he's very aware of that dynamic. You know, Tampa certainly gives him easier access to New York City, a shorter flight. Uh, so I bet some of that plays into this. And Mike, the other thing that just tells me it's Tampa right now, let alone some of the people around the league that are telling me that, 
is, you know, I don't mean to jump the ship here, but Philip Rivers signing with the Colts to me is another thing that just would give me an inkling to go, oh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers told him, you know, something is not happening there. So now he has to move on. And I would believe that that would be, hey, that's something is Brady's going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And we're talking a lot more about Philip Rivers to the Colts coming up, but Brady to the Buccaneers. And I'm thinking about the bigger picture here, Florida yeah. versus California. Hey, at a minimum, not that he needs to worry about money or paying taxes, 13.3% state income tax in California, 0.0 blue Tarski-esque income tax in Florida. That is a factor. And to the extent that his wife, Giselle Bunchen wanted to be in Miami. And I think if she got to pick, she'd have said Miami. Tampa Bay's close enough, right? I mean, when you fly private, what's the difference between Tampa Bay and Miami anyway? So I, I agree with you. It makes sense. I don't know whether or not there's anyone else out there. I think he had a pretty good inkling what he was doing when he told the Patriots goodbye. I mean, you tell the Patriots goodbye and then there's nowhere else for you to go. That would be awkward. He probably right. got offers yesterday that were strong enough to let him know the Patriots weren't going to match that. So he's going to move forward. So that's step one. And, and, and it does serve the purpose of potentially scaring anyone else out of the weeds because it's speak now or forever hold your peace if you're interested in Tom Brady. And uh, no one else apparently steps forward, so he chooses between the Chargers and the Buccaneers. Chargers get butthurt. They tell Colin Coward, and it all comes out that Tampa Bay looks like the place. And, look, I hey, as far as NFC teams go, I mean, they're, they're not exactly a powerhouse, and it's a top-heavy conference. Maybe they can win that division. The Saints may have something to say about it. Chris, who the hell knows what's going to be up with the Panthers or the Falcons? But you got some really good teams in the NFC that are better than the Buccaneers. Yeah, yes, definitely. Now, the the Buccaneers, when you look at them on paper, have potential to be something. They do. There's no doubt about that. I mean, he's going to have weapons around him, a creative offensive mind, a really good defensive line and pass rush, you know, a secondary that's young but has a lot of talent. So I do think there's potential there for that team to be one of those teams we could put an asterisk next to to say, watch out for them next year, and especially if Brady goes there. I mean, awesome dynamic, right? I mean, we get to see Brady and Breeze play each other twice a year. That'll be amazing. That'll be really cool. But you're right. The NFC is definitely stronger as a conference compared to the AFC right now, too. But when we go back to, like, the Brady stuff and the things that we can hear, you know, wants to be appreciated, wants to be respected, Man, I'm just telling you, Mike, and everybody out there, he's going to get that in Tampa Bay. They're going to roll out the red court carpet from him. They're going to for him. They're going to treat him like a king. Tampa is secretly, I can speak from experience, is a phenomenal football town. They live and die with the Bucks. Now, not everybody might not have the cash to buy season tickets and be able to afford that all the time, but they love their Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And they are going to welcome him with open arms and really make him, you know, the king of the city. That's what he'll be there in Tampa. And I'm sure he'll like that. And, and his whole family will like that as well. They have had a hard time filling up the stadium. And one of the things we've discussed as it relates to Tom Brady being available to sign with any team is the business dynamic, that it will fill up the stadium, that the Tom Brady number 12 jersey in the new Buccaneers uniform that Bruce Arians told us three weeks ago is going to look like the one that you wore 
Chris, starting in 2003, the one that the Buccaneers won the Super Bowl with to cap the 2002 season. They're going back to that. That thing is going to sell unlike any jersey that we've seen. And that elevates the brand. That restores some luster to a team that has been systematically losing it over the past 17 years. You know, they went through 20 years of crap. And then they started to turn it around with Tony Dungy. And that culminated in the Super Bowl win of 2002. And then ever since then, what's it really been, right? Coinciding with you showing up, it's all your fault. That's when the organization started going the other way. I couldn't resist. That's when the organization started going the other way. And they can't get it back. And Brady helps them get it back like that. Yes, he does help him get it back like that. And, you know, yeah, hey. You, you know, know I'm just go- playing. You know I'm just playing. I know. Playing. I know. All good. I, I expected it to go that way once I knew you were going <laughs> down that road. <laughs> but, uh, it, you know, really, ever since Gruden has left town there and there seemed to be whatever happened between him and the Glazer family, yes, the organization has not been good, not been consistent uh, year in, year out. And hopefully, you know, hey, we're re-energized by what we see by Bruce Arians. And certainly, you know, Tom Brady going there is going to be huge news for for North Florida right there in Tampa Bay. And it's a great place to live. You know, it really is. It's it's a Florida lifestyle. They love their football. uh, And, you know, you certainly can be stuck in worse places in this country. I can tell you that. And, you know, the Browns take a lot of heat for their revolving door. But after they dumped John Gruden, it was Raheem Morris who clearly wasn't ready at the time. He's more ready now, far more ready now than he was then. Then it was Greg Schiano, who clearly was over his skis. Then it was Lovey Smith, who was starting to show us something, but he got thrown overboard for Dirk Cutter, who clearly wasn't ready. And then they finally get Bruce Arians out of retirement. He was itching to get back to it. And now after one year with Jameis Winston, I mean, that's the other side of this story for the Buccaneers. Jameis Winston is S-O-L, and I don't know where he's going to go, Chris, but I think he really wanted to stay with the Buccaneers, and now he's going to be on the open market, and I don't know who's going to be interested in him. No, I, I don't either. You know, I think he's a guy that, you know, somebody's going to sign here. He's a high-level backup. He's not necessarily the kind of backup that you think, ooh, okay, he can come in here and manage the game and not make mistakes. No, he's not like that. You know, he might make mistakes, uh, but he has big-time superstar potential, as we know. I continue to think that the Pittsburgh Steelers would be a great fit for a guy like Jameis Winston. You know, Big Ben can be the quarterback. If something happens there, he can come in, play, certainly be an upgrade from Duck Hodges or Mason Rudolph. And really, I think, Ultimately, if you're Pittsburgh, you think, wow, well, ben, Big Ben might only have two, three years left. You know, maybe we can mold Jameis in the Winston, Winston in the meantime to take over in the end. I, I think ultimately, though, Winston will find a, a home just because he, he his good film is just too good. He's too talented. Uh, but there is some risk to, to take with him, as we know. Here's the real question. Will he accept what's offered? Because yeah. if someone's not paying him to be a starter... Yeah, he's look for a guy like Tom Brady. He's never holding a clipboard. Philip Rivers never holding a clipboard. The true franchise quarterbacks are never holding a clipboard. But Winston's had five years as the starter with Tampa Bay. He's made forty five million dollars. You have to wonder if he's willing to go somewhere and be a backup. If he's willing to eat that giant slice of humble pie after throwing for fifty one hundred yards and not play, or will he say, "Screw it"? I still have baseball dreams. I'll go to the minor leagues like Tim Tebow and see what I can do there. 
I just don't rule out how he's going to react if at the end of the day, the best he can get is an offer to be someone's backup. He may not want to do that, Chris. Well, no, he may not. But I think that's going to be the reality of the situation of him right now. And I'm sure he's pissed off. I mean, just quite frankly speaking, he's probably looking at this going, damn, I got no, you know, there's no, there's no more seats left here. You know, and, and as much as you link of like a team like Chicago, where we hear, you know, we think they might try to replace Mitchell Trubisky. You know, Chicago can't bring in a guy like Jameis Winston. You know, they need something that they feel like can be consistent week in, week out. That could blow up in their face. So, you know, I think he's just got to find the right opportunity, just like a Teddy Bridgewater did last year. Find a team that's got some talent, you know, and if you do get thrown in there, then you have a, and you need a, you need to have, be in a place where you have a chance to succeed and make it happen and kind of improve uh, your credentials and your perception around the NFL to show that, you know, you've learned to become a better player. Hey, you mentioned Teddy Bridgewater, uh, and we're going to talk about him in a minute, but that spot behind Drew Brees is wide open. And if James uh-huh. Winston wants to learn the game and get a chance to play because Drew Brees is 41 and who knows what's going to happen to him, and all of a sudden you are out there on the field with the, I don't want to say very best, but one of the very best play callers and play designers the game has ever seen, my goodness, that's got to be attractive to Jameis Winston. Definitely. I, I mean, that would be a, that would be a place if I'm Jameis Winston, I'd raise my hand and go, I'll sign for less. I'll do that right now. You know, like you said, he's made money. Now it's time to, you know, just redo what, you know, the thoughts and, and the perception of Jameis Winston and a guy being around Sean Payton, being in that offense, you know, when free agency comes around a year or two from now and Jameis Winston has been with the Saints, you know, that, that'll make other teams and coaches feel better to go, hey, Sean Payton liked him. He obviously learned some football, and he's uh, he would learn a ton of football there. Yes, he needs to find that type of situation, Mike. All right, in that same division, the news today out of the blue was that the Carolina Panthers have given Cam Newton permission to seek a trade. Newton did not react well to that, taking to say social media with the – I, look, I, 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 I can't say I'm over the Cam Newton creative fonts. I was never, I, I never liked it. You're a grown man. You don't have, you're not Prince, right? And it's every letter is some funky font where you need like a decoder ring to try. Take that down. I, I think if you look at it long enough, it turns you to stone. I don't know what it is, but the bottom line is he's not happy. We've had this translated by experts. He's not happy with the Panthers. He says he never asked for permission to seek a trade. Chris, all of a sudden, and we, look, we sensed this was coming. I never thought the Panthers were keeping this guy. It's time for new in Carolina, and there's too many issues with injury with Cam Newton. And it makes me wonder, frankly, what they take for him. I don't think they're going to take all that much for him. It's just a question now of who wants him. But he's out, and he's already replaced by Teddy Bridgewater, who reportedly is getting in the range of $20 a year. That tells me that that they're done with Cam Newton. It's just a question of how they go about dealing with the details on his way out the door. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. I mean, I, I am. Uh, I would really like to know what transpired and happened the last few weeks between the Panthers and Cam Newton. I do think it's very odd that this 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 all comes out right now. You know, that that to me is shocking because you've given Cam Newton really no chance now to really find a trade partner or his camp. Very tough. I mean, as we see. There's only a few spots left. So, and now that they've signed Teddy Bridgewater, yeah, they're not going to get very much for Cam Newton, especially knowing that, you know, he's probably going to want a new contract. 
So I, I'm thinking like you're going to see like mid-round pick for Cam Newton, something like that. Uh, I'm pissed at myself, Mike. I'm pissed because I should have been I should have been able to connect the dots to think Teddy Bridgewater would end up with the Carolina Panthers. It makes too much sense. You know, Matt Rule he hired Joe Brady, the you know the offensive coordinator for the LSU Tigers. Where did he come from? The New Orleans Saints. I'm sure Joe Brady has gotten very good reports about what Teddy Bridgewater was and does down in New Orleans. Now you can get the Matt Rule era off on a good foot because you got a quarterback that knows the system. He'll be able to come in there seamlessly, wheel and deal, and it makes a lot of sense for the Carolina Panthers as they're trying to build a winner here into the future. But see, I wonder how much candid information Sean Payton or anyone else with the Saints is going to give Joe Brady because you don't want to have to deal with Teddy Bridgewater twice a year in your own division unless you know based on being with him the past couple of years how to go about defending and what his weaknesses are and you know this would be a great test how much of it is the coaching staff in New Orleans that propped him up and got the most out of him and can the Panthers do the same but you know Chris I'm playing this out in my head with Cam Newton I, I think that they did what they did today by giving Newton permission to seek a trade because they knew they were going to sign Teddy Bridgewater and it would be extremely awkward if they sign him to a deal that per year is worth more than what Newton's going to make this season based upon what I've heard so far, but I haven't seen the official numbers. Here's my guess. My guess is they've tried already to find a trade partner for Cam Newton and they can't. And they tried to do it behind the scenes and it didn't work. And now this is the first step toward just cutting him. And I, th I have a feeling that's how it's going to play out. Depending upon what guidelines the NFL sends out on how you can do a physical for a guy before you sign off on a trade. And I'm, I'm not accepting a guy in trade. I'm not giving up anything of value unless my doctor can examine him, especially Cam Newton with the ankle and yeah. the foot and the shoulder. I'm not touching him. And I think he's just going to be cut. I think he's got permission to seek a trade. And once they do the deal with Teddy Bridgewater, once that is final, I think they're going to cut Cam Newton. Unless they can give him away. But I don't think at this point anybody's going to take on that $19 million obligation if they can't poke and prod him to make sure he's healthy. No, I, I think that's, you know, you're right. That's going to play a huge aspect in this whole thing. The, the medical evaluation right now is, is not where teams want it to be, certainly. So, yeah, he might be a little bit of a, a wait-and-see type signing here as we go forward. I, I don't know. I, you know, if it went down the way you're saying it went down, I'd be disappointed in Carolina that they weren't up more up front with Cam Newton, a little more transparent with him to know that, hey, we're going to move on or we got other plans or whatever it may be. They put him in a tough spot here now for sure. And, yeah, when you really look at it and go, okay, well, who out there is going to be in it? I mean, you know, okay, we, we think Tom Brady's going to go to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know, from everything I've been told, like I said, uh, earlier today, I don't think the Chargers have any interest in Cam Newton. Are the Chicago Bears going to get involved in this conversation with Cam Newton? I mean, he could fit in that scheme. He would fit there, definitely. So uh, that, that's the one team I look at right now and go, you know, maybe they'll try to make a play for Cam Newton, whether he's released or just try to trade a late round pick to say, hey, here, you know, Carolina, we gave you something for Cam Newton, but we want him. We don't want him to hit the free agent market. I still wonder about how that physical is going to play out. And I'm playing yeah. back in my mind what happened when we were in Indianapolis before you, you vomited into the trash can because after that it's all a blur. 
Before that, Matt Rule was making the rounds. We had him on Tuesday, and he was coming out very strong as wanting Cam Newton to be his quarterback. And I can't help but wonder whether that was the setup to make teams think that, you know, hey, the, the ultimate trade leverage is screw it, we're keeping the guy. So they start yeah. selling this idea they want him, and they see whether or not anyone initiates any real discussions about a trade for Cam Newton, and it just didn't happen. And throw on top of it that video where Cam was upset, all I'm looking for is a commitment. I think that's when they just knew this is not going to work. We need to find somebody else. And on the day where they signed somebody else, or at least tentatively agreed to terms with somebody else, they had to make it clear that they're moving on from Cam Newton by way of giving him permission to seek a trade. And like he said, I didn't ask for this. This is their strategy for separating from Cam Newton. And I really do think unless somebody steps up with something, and I'm not sure anyone will, he is going to be released and off we go with Cam Newton trying to find a new location. And he'll be in the same boat that Jadavian Clowney's in. Who's going to commit to Cam Newton until they can have their doctors take a look at him? For free agents, it's a neutral local doctor who's going to look at that uh, player and perform the physical after the contract is agreed to. And I don't think anybody is going to make a major financial investment based upon that. They want their guys to see these players and make their decisions. All right. So we know Cam is going to be out. Teddy Bridgewater is in. In Indianapolis, Phillip Rivers is in. Chris, multiple reports indicate it's one year, $25 million for Phillip Rivers. We talked yesterday. You got to, The lawyer's got to drive a Cadillac. He can't drive around a Subaru. All due respect to Subaru. He's got to have a nice car. Phillip Rivers has to have a nice contract. $25 million seems like a lot to me for a guy who had seven interceptions in back-to-back primetime games. That throwing motion is but ugly, and it looks uglier the more interceptions he throws. Why do you think the Colts did this? Well, I think the biggest reason is they don't trust Jacoby Brissett. I mean, Mike, you know, I've been saying this for the last, you know, five or six weeks. I said there's no way Jacoby Brissett will be the starting quarterback in the Indianapolis Colts. There's just no way. They're, they're moving on. They don't trust him. You know, I would think they put him on the trading block, too, here you know, going forward, because I just can't imagine they're going to have $40 million on the cap between two quarterbacks right now. Uh, but I think that's the biggest reason. I think Jacoby, Jacoby Brissett really fell out of the trust tree towards the end of the season. And you and I have discussed that a whole lot. And then, you know, I think Rivers, his knowledge of the system, being around Frank Reich before, and I think the Colts look at it like, hey, we're a team in the win now type mo- mode. They knew Jacoby Percet wasn't the future. I really wouldn't be shocked if the Colts drafted a quarterback too, you know, in, in the draft here that they think can maybe be the future or whatever may happen here. So uh, I, I'm not shocked by this. You know, once I heard Brady was going to Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I think this is another inkling to show us that that's happened because I think Rivers was a chance of going to the Buccaneers too, but. Um, obviously they're not happy with Jacoby Brissett and they're moving on to a new era. And what do you think they're going to do with Brissett? They owe him $8 million plus already fully guaranteed for 2020. Do you keep him around as a backup in the event that Phillip Rivers stinks or gets injured, or do you try to find a new home for him? I mean, the Patriots are looking for a quarterback, but, hey, I've been told all along the Patriots traded Jacoby Brissett for a reason, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. they, they, they decided they didn't like Jacoby Brissett and he wasn't going to be the successor to Tom Brady, so I don't see that happening. But uh, what do you do with Brissett now if you're the Colts? I, I mean, do, would they call the Chicago Bears? I mean, that that's one option. Maybe the Bears would be interested in that. Maybe right now the New England Patriots would be interested 
and a guy like Jacoby Brissett to come in and be the backup or maybe the one-year stopgap for a guy like Jared Stidham, who I know the Patriots love. Um, but I would think this would open the doors for the Colts shopping him because, I mean, Mike, am I right? I mean, I thought, you know, the cap hit for Jacoby Brissett this year, I think is like $20 million or something like that. And I just can't imagine that they're going to want to go into this year with Phillip Rivers at 25 and him at $21 million cap hit and go, oh, okay, we got $46 million into the, just the quarterback alone on our salary cap. I, that, that's not good business. So I would think they got to shop him. They're carrying $5.5 million from his signing bonus last year. $8.875 million is fully guaranteed roster bonus. Uh, it's already guaranteed. It gets paid out March 22nd, $7 million of it. So they're on the hook for $12.5 million, no matter what, uh, in cap space for Jacoby Brissett, and $7.5 million, or $7 million, excuse me, in cash. But the total cap number for him is 21375 And when they did this deal last year, we, we, did, the, we did the bravo uh, Chris Ballard because what they did was they took the franchise tag for this year, Cop, uh, cobbled it together with what Jacoby Brissett was going to make last year and basically guaranteed it all to him. In hindsight, they should have just they should have just let him play out the final year of his rookie deal and walked away from him, Chris. Yeah, well, they tried to give their organization, their fans, their locker room a false sense of confidence and, and tried to sell the bell of goods that, hey, we really trust, trust Jacoby Brissett. We think he could be a starting quarterback. I mean, they tried to sell us that with not only the money, but the things they said and all that. Obviously, it backfired. And, you know, I give them credit for not like compounding the mistake and trying to be stubborn and going, hey, we're going to go into it one more year. We think Jacoby Brissett can do it. No, they saw they didn't like it. They're moving on. That's it. And that's what good, smart teams do. Good evaluators do. You're not going to be right about everything and in, in, in every decision you make to run an NFL fan- franchise. But but is it good and smart to give twenty five million to Philip Rivers though? Uh, well, I, say, it, I, can, I can't help but I can't help but wonder whether or not Jim Irsay ha- has gotten exasperated with where his team is and what happened last year, and he's decided to say, "You guys are spending. We got a chance to get to Forrest Buckner, get him. We got a chance to get Philip Rivers, get him." I mean, look, smart owners keep it under wraps that they're the ones who are saying, "Do this, do that." But, man, this sure doesn't have Chris Ballard's fingerprints on it. This has Jim Irsay's fingerprints, in my estimation, based on what we know of both guys. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, now that you say that, you're right. It does have more of the fingerprints of the owner than Chris Ballard. But I think Chris Ballard's smart enough to know that Jacoby Brissett wasn't the guy. Uh, I do do know that, and I think that Frank Wright probably knew that as well. I mean, they probably had a lot of discussions there. I don't think they would have just been a— to- those two would have been the total type to be overruled by Ursay if they really br- really thought Brissett still had a chance to be that guy. You know, now whether Ursay pulled the power play and said, "Hey, get a name recognition type guy in here," I don't know. But you know, I think the Colts they covered their butts for one year. They got a really good team. They're a playoff caliber football team, and they obviously think Philip Rivers is still good enough to take them to that spot. I understand that. Is it risky? Yes. But I think they feel like the risk is less here than with Jacoby Brissett. And then they can start to evaluate other options in the draft and see if maybe they want to draft the quarterback in the first round or second round and have him sit behind a Phillip Rivers for a year before he takes the reins over. Like Bruce Arians once said and always says, who was the offensive coordinator of the Colts in 2012 and the coach of the year 
the season that Chuck Pagano had leukemia, no risk it, no biscuit. So they're risking it in Indianapolis. What will they do by way of risking it in Chicago? Let's finish there. We talked earlier about the possibility of Jameis Winston supplanting Mitchell Trubisky. Nick Foles has been linked to the Bears. Andy Dalton has been linked to the Bears. There had been talk of Teddy Bridgewater in Chicago. Obviously, that's not going to happen. He's going to Carolina. What in the world do the Bears do? And how at this point, Chris, do they not do something? You have shattered the ego and the confidence of Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah, I I don't think they're done yet. I I don't. You know, I I don't know. You know, to me, the two best options out there for the Chicago Bears, and, you know, I think Nagy and and Ryan Pace, I think their butts are on the line here. Definitely. And, you know, I think you got to go with somewhat of a proven commodity. You know, I I don't think they can dance with Jacoby Brissett. I mean, I think that's too risky. Yeah, we talked about Jameis Winston. There's no way they can sell that. I mean, if he throws three interceptions his first time out there, they're going to have a riot in the streets of Chicago. It's got to be, to me, it would be Andy Dalton one, and then probably Nick Foles two at this point. Nick Foles is going to know the system. You know, he played in Kansas City with Andy Reid and Matt Nagy being there. So he will know that. Now, am I in love with Nick Foles? I'm not, again, I'm not sure he's a really a legitimate starting quarterback in the NFL. I'm not. Um, but is he better than Mitch Trubisky? Yeah, he might be. Andy Dalton's the guy that's the best of the, these guys we're mentioning. You know, Andy Dalton's a good athlete. He's got a good arm. We've talked about it. There's a lot of positives. It's easy to crap on him because he's been in Cincinnati and they can't win playoff games. But he does have that experience, and that would make the most sense to me. And at some point, you would think the Bengals are going to get desperate. I mean, I think everybody expects Andy Dalton to be dealt. I mean, I, they're going to go Joe Burrow with the number one pick. I would be shocked if that's not the case which is going to drive down Andy Dalton's trade price. And can they come to a deal with the Bears and Bears feel comfortable with it? I don't know. But to me, that's the one that makes the most sense. Here's the thing about Nick Foles. When he went from the Eagles to the Rams, he was horrendous. Just horrendous. Yeah. I remember yeah. seeing him play on Sundays and I thinking, this guy is just horrendous. What happened to Nick Foles? And it was so bad he almost quit football. He ended up in Kansas City, and that year that he got a chance to play when Alex Smith had a concussion, and I thought, hey, the door's opening for Foles to do to Smith in Kansas City what Colin Kaepernick did to Smith in San Francisco. There's a, a, a vague recollection that Foles wasn't very good. When you go back and look at his numbers from the two games that he played in significant amounts when Smith was hurt, they weren't bad. His passer rating was north of 100 back when it was a big deal to have a passer rating north of 100. So that was with Matt Nagy as the offensive coordinator, and... Nick Foles took the Eagles into Chicago and derailed a special season for the Bears by beating Matt Nagy to cap the last game of Nagy's first season as coach in Chicago. So you've got those memories. You've got that yeah. possibility. And and I, between Foles and Dalton, if I got to trade for a quarterback, I'm trading for Foles. I, I, I am. I, I got him for three years, not one. I don't have to worry about extending his contract or giving him a raise or anything like that. Foles will be happy to come in and have his contract honored. He's not going to make a big deal about that. He's made a ton of money for a guy that, that hasn't played all that much. Super Bowl 52 MVP. I think there's merit to taking Nick Foles in Chicago. And based on what I've seen of Mitchell Trubisky working with Matt Nagy, I'd rather have Nick Foles. I, I understand your logic. I mean, your logic's good. And the fact that he knows the offense and Matt Nagy is all, that's all correct too. I mean, there, there's no doubt about that. To me, I would rather have Andy Dalton. The contract situation, you're right. That does make it a little more intriguing or maybe favors 
uh, a Nick Foles in that situation. But uh, I, I guess for, you know, Chris Sims and my quarterback evaluations, I'd rather take Andy Dalton right now over Nick Foles. But, but I, I, I do get what you're saying. You know, and you, you talk about, I'm with you. When you said those numbers, my recollection in those Kansas City games was it was underwhelming. You know, and again, we can't put too much, you know, love into like the quarterback rating at time and numbers. That's where it can it can lie to you. You know, the number one rated quarterback in 2017 was Alex Smith, and they replaced him with a quarterback that I don't think had a higher quarterback rating than him the next year, but was clearly better. Okay, or yeah, he did. Okay, Mahomes, I'm looking at it now. He had a better quarterback rating, but uh, either way, you know, I have hesitation about Nick Foles and his game. Andy Dalton, I don't have as much. I think he's actually underrated and underappreciated a little bit because he's been stunk, stuck stuck, in the funk of the Bengals. Here's Foles' numbers from the 2016 season when he was with Matt Nagy, who was in his first year as the offensive coordinator of the Chiefs because Doug Peterson had become the head coach of the Eagles. A game on October 30th at Indianapolis, that was the game Alex Smith got injured. Foles came in and was 16 for 22, 223 yards, 10.1 yards per attempt. Yeah. Two touchdown passes, no picks, a passer rating of 135.2. That was a 30 to 14 win. The next weekend home game against the Jaguars. He started that game and played the whole thing. 20 for 33, 187, 5.7 yards per attempt. Not impressive by today's standards by any means. One touchdown, no picks, 86.3 passer rating for the year he finished with because he just made a cameo appearance I don't know whether to just take take a couple knees or what in the week 17 win over San Diego the passer rating for the year 105.9 uh 65.5 percent completion percentage 7.5 yards per attempt that's what he did in two games in in 2016 and and again it's not as bad as I remember it's definitely not how bad he was with the Rams with the Rams he was horrible so I'm just saying look if you if you are ready to move on from Mitchell Trubisky, I think Foles makes a ton of sense. $15 million salary this year, that's nothing. And no. uh, I think it makes sense. They've already paid the the signing bonus in, in Jacksonville, and uh, you can get him probably I, – I don't know. Look, if they got a fifth-round pick for Calais Campbell, what do, you get, what do you get them to give Nick Foles your contract for? A fifth-rounder? A sixth-rounder? I don't think it's going to take much to get him if they want him. Yeah, probably a little higher than that because they don't have to trade him. You know, he is a good insurance policy right now to go, okay, Gardner Minshew's our starter, and it wouldn't be, you know, we we would like to have somebody respectable behind him. They're going to be able to play that angle there. So they might be able to get something a little bit more than, you know, what they got for Calais Campbell because it's the quarterback situation, because of the contract situation that you mentioned and that I think the Jaguars can make a legitimate case to say, yeah, we'll keep them. We're not really spending that much money on the quarterback situation as is because Minshew is on a rookie, you know, middle round um, draft draft pick compensation type deal. So, you know, I think that's where maybe they have a little bit more leverage uh, and, and maybe drives up the price just a little bit more. But I don't think much more like a fourth rounder might might do it right there. So just to summarize, we think Tom Brady to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We know Teddy Bridgewater to the Panthers. We know Phillip Rivers to the Colts. We don't know where in the hell Cam Newton's going to go, but it's not Carolina. And then Jameis Winston, who knows what's going to happen with him and who knows what the Bears are going to do. And that's where we are one day and five hours into the unofficial free agency period. 
Well, yeah, exactly. I know it's it's amazing to see where. But you know, we just talked about Nick Foles, right, and Andy Dalton, and we didn't really include Cam Newton specifically into that conversation either. So that that to me is, of course, going to be another you know facet in this this whole thing because Cam Newton certainly, when healthy, and you mentioned all the medical you know things to be worried about, he is definitely a better player and can rally the organization with his leadership as compared to a Foles or Andy Dalton. Chris, I do not think that anyone touches Cam Newton until the COVID-19 restrictions end and you can bring Cam Newton to your facility and have him fully examined, completely examined, thoroughly examined by your doctors because you've got the ankle, you've got the foot, you've got the shoulder, and anything else we may not know about on a guy who is Superman, but the problem is he's being whacked over the head with kryptonite for the past nine seasons in the NFL, and uh, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, and you hit a guy enough times and he's going to get injured, and that's what happened over and over again to Cam Newton. All right, uh, that's it for today, unless Tom Brady ends up agreeing to terms and we have to rush back to the studio let's hope that doesn't happen we'll do this again tomorrow as we get closer and closer chris sims to the start of the league year at 4 p.m eastern on wednesday i'm sure there's still going to be more twists and turns and we'll have it covered here we'll have it covered at profootballtalk.com we'll have comments on our twitter feed at chris sims or c sims qb and also at profootballtalk and uh, chris as always uh enjoy your time at home cooped up with your your kids and your wife and your dogs i will i'll enjoy it you enjoy it too man i'll talk to you tomorrow be good dude all right see you buddy Dietz and watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.